Shauna. I'm Sarah. Trey. I'm Charity. I'm Jada. And welcome to Serial Talk, where you get to see real talk. And oatmeal talk. <laughs> Welcome to episode six. We are so excited. Um, we're going to talk about gender roles this this time and all that that entails. And so, without further ado, we're just going to kick it off and get started um, and inter- have these ladies introduce themselves. So, Trey, I will kick it to you. Hi, I'm Trey Smith, and I have been at North Atlanta for um, eighteen years. And um, I've worked in the church office as a ministry assistant for the last uh, seven years, almost eight years. Um, I have three children that have grown up at North Atlanta, one who is still in our student ministry. And so I'm happy to be with y'all today to talk about um, gender roles as I've seen them play out in my life, as well as the lives of my children and grandchild. Yeah, so uh, my husband, Thomas, and I have been at North Atlanta for 16 years, I think. We have a a daughter who is six and a son who just turned eight. So we are um, an evenly split household in terms of men, women, boys, and girls. So um, we just, I just get a very interesting uh, perspective on gender roles in my, in my household, much less, um, my professional and the rest of my personal life. So I'm excited to chat with you ladies about that today and hear what your thoughts are as well. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Jada. I've been at North Atlanta for like four or five years. I'm a little baby. Uh, I am a student at Harvard and I study sociology. So I'm really excited to talk today. Well, thank you all so much for being here. We're so excited. So let's jump into question one. Um, what do you think of when you think of gender roles? Like, let's start out baseline, everybody on the same page. Let's define this. Let's kind of get a understanding or status quo around what we're talking about in the future questions. So just to kind of get everyone up to speed, uh, set the foundation for the rest of the conversation. Okay, so I'm up first. And um, when I think of gender roles, um, the visual that I have is um, a box. So um, it's just um, sort of a a box that's a defined space. Um, And uh, I'm sorry, I took a couple notes so that I won't forget. Um, So it's it's just, um, you know, a space where you're really not allowed to to be or to dream outside of that confined area. So that's kind of just how it's played out for me. Um, But also that means that you can't really possibly grow. You can't grow or stretch to meet the role that that God has given you because you're you're stuck in that box. Um, So ultimately, you know, your growth is stunted. You can't, you know, until you can find a way to break free from that box, you can't grow. Um, I also never really relate gender roles to um, to spirit led like they those two don't that role doesn't go together for me I feel like um, a gender role that's assigned to you is more stifling um, and 
doesn't allow for the freedom that um, is spirit led. Anything that um, that you know God's calling is going to offer much more freedom. And so um, that's kind of it for me. It's just you know that role kind of just confines me to a box. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you, Trey, on that. And I think of gender roles as a kind of a predetermined structure for your life before you're even born, right? So you don't even have many options outside of that because the culture or society that you're born into has already constructed a box or, um, a, you know, some kind of a, a format for you uh, based on your gender, um, which is, you know, different from, of course, sex, which is a biological term, um, which is, you know, you're woven into the womb a certain sex, right? But a gender is a cultural construct that, uh, you know, for some uh, can be uh, binding and for others, depending on your culture and your gender can be um, liberating. And it really is kind of, uh, you know, the luck of the draw. You don't really get a, a choice. Um, and if you stray outside of those gender roles or those gender norms, it is the job, right, of society to pull you back into that because society depends on everyone sticking to the rules, right? So uh, that's kind of what I think of when I think of gender roles and how they um, operate in society and how they kind of um, construct a path for um for human beings when they're whenever they're born. So yeah. I really love the the box uh, metaphor. That's such a good example. And I also really like the word format, because when I was thinking of like what are gender roles and how I want to talk about this, I was kind of really just thinking of like the way that people should or like are expected to act based on their gender. So really it's just like I think of it as more of like a path you should follow formats a good word I think and a lot of times I feel like people really think about gender roles like mainly in like the family structure like oh like dad's gonna go like make the money and mom will cook and like it can gender roles are also really important in like every other aspect of life like they're there even though people pretty much only think about them in the family so I find it really interesting because for me, I think um, gender roles function a little bit like stereotypes, right? Like they're designed to minimize the need to think <laughs> about certain things, right? Like men do this, boys do this, girls do this, women act this way. And it's kind of lazy, I feel, um, because it doesn't force you to analyze each person as the individual that they are. You meet someone, you automatically presume to know something about them, or you hear a sentence that talks about somebody engaging in a certain activity, and you automatically presume what gender they are. So I think it, it kind of dumbs down um, society because we're not take the time to think about people as individuals instead of um, just presuming 
how people are supposed to behave. So um, I think those um, parameters are really important because they can be, they can have positive and negative consequences. And that is part of the second question. How have gender roles been helpful or harmful to you specifically in your personal or professional life? So um, for me, um, it's probably been more, more harmful than helpful. Um, you know how some help just hurts. Um, so that's been the case for me. Um, being in roles, especially being in roles that were limited, um, like to specific tasks. So um, the, the main reason for that would be um, the fact that I'm pretty introverted. So I'm usually not the first one that's gonna like jump into the spotlight. So it's real easy for me to go, oh, okay. Well, so that's all you expect of me. Then I'm gonna stay right here in this spot. And I will, um, you know, women are excluded from that anyway. So whatever task or position that I wasn't expected to do, I could very easily step back and go, okay, where can I find my space? Where can I find um, a place where I feel like I'm, I'm serving or I'm being helpful? And I just will ignore the fact that I really could do that other thing if I were allowed to. I'm just gonna. And so that hasn't, that ultimately has been more harmful to me than helpful because I um, stayed in that box, which means my growth was stunted. I didn't have experience in certain areas. And then when I actually would have an opportunity and be called to do something, I had no idea how to go about doing it. And so I would then, you know, doubt myself, you know, if I felt like God was pulling me in a certain direction and wanting me to do something, I would feel completely unprepared and even worse, undeserving of whatever it was, because I would go, no, 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 like not you. you, you don't know how to do that. You don't have any experience in that. And so it was like perfect opportunity for Satan to kind of get in there and go, don't, like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And so, but it was really just the fact that I had not, um, I had not exercised those muscles, but, you know, fortunately, you know, the, the more I grew spiritually, you know, and the more I kind of leaned into the things that I felt like God was calling me to do, um, the, the more I kind of pushed back, pushed back on that. Um, and so what, what I thought was like, okay with me early on became real suffocating as I tried to do things because of course, just because you decide you wanna um, make a change doesn't mean that everybody around you is gonna be on board with that. So when you've allowed yourself to stay in those little confines, it's, um, it's a little upsetting um, for people when you start changing the rules on them. And, you know, things that you would only say to them, you decide you want to speak for yourself and say those things. It's like, no, they, you know, there's, there's a lot of pushback on that as well. So, um, so that just kind of added to a lot of the um, anxiety that I had when I, when, you know, I would say yes to something 
and then like freak out. It's like, okay, how are you, how, how are you going to do that? Like, did you actually say yes to that? And, you know, try to talk myself out of it. And so, um, so yeah, so it's just, it's, it's been, it's been a, a long kind of struggle and a tug of war for me of, um, having, having that box and knowing that the easy way is to kind of stay in it and then pushing myself to step out of my own comfort zone and, and into what I feel like God's calling me to do. So, um, so yeah, it can just be, you know, I think, you know, Charity mentioned that it's, you know, it's kind of predetermined what you're going to do. And it's just so harmful to have these rules that are set up and then you don't really dream outside of what's expected of you and what other people have told you that you are. And um, so, yeah, so for me, it's been, it's been a constant battle to um, kind of push that aside and not worry about what society says I'm supposed to be, what um, anyone says I'm supposed to be, and just kind of take a moment, take that time, be prayerful about it and figure out who I think God is calling me to be. Um, that was really great, Trey. Um, I think one of the things for me is that um, living with certain expectations based on my gender, I mean, we could be all night talking about the ways that that's kind of ch challenged us and harmed us and helped us. I think for me, um, I felt a squeeze, right? Um, as I have grown to understand that I have a right to choose my own path and choose my own destiny and choose who I want to be and choose if I want to wear pointy high heel shoes or not, or if I want to wear stockings or not. I mean, it's just like little things, right? That um, they all pile into this box, right? And they all become who you're expected to be. Um, so I am, I am going out into the world with this mindset of, you know, I am going to determine my own destiny, so to speak, and not conform to gender roles, but I'm walking out into a society that has these expectations of me still. So it's, I just kind of feel a squeeze a lot of the time, right? Especially as women, because we, um, we have, say professionally, doors have opened up for us quite a bit, right? But there's still the weight of our expected gender um, role weighing on us. So it's not that we've had, um, you know, that those expectations lifted, it's they're still there, but we're also going out into a world where we, we, we want to be liberated of that a bit. And it's, it's just, I just feel like a squeeze and a, like a confusion sometimes because um, I just don't think we have the support of society in the way that we need to at this point, right? We don't have uh, the support of society in making sure we have proper healthcare choices and that people are listening to us and that we have control over our bodies and that, you know, we um, have the support to make sure that our children are cared for if we choose to have a job outside of the home. We don't have all that support, so we still have to figure all of that out. And um, so that's that's kind of where I am in terms of, you know, how I 
feel right now personally um, just kind of affected by gender norms and gender roles. And, you know, having a son and a daughter, I have that conflict too, because as much as, and I mean, you know, I'm a feminist, I'm raising two little feminists, I'm married to a feminist, right? Uh, I, I still see us having settled into normal gender roles. And how do I explain that to my children in a way that um, that makes sense to their little six and eight year old selves, right? Um, so that, yes, this is how we do it, but this is why we do it this way. And I'm having to think myself, okay, so why, why do we do it this way? Like, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's just easier. Sometimes it's just easier to be like, go ask daddy to fix that. I don't wanna fix that right now. I don't wanna figure out how to fix that, right? Sometimes it's easier for me to just like, here, let me just get this laundry and take it in here. Cause I'm the one who's gonna fold it the way I want it folded, right? <laughs> but, right? Uh, but then what does that say to my children, right, about what the roles are. And they've already started to speak up in ways that make me realize that they're watching and they're listening. And uh, so as as we are women moving forward in breaking gender boundaries and crossing these gender roles, we're still pulled back into them. And we're having to navigate that not only within ourselves, but within our family. So, um, and that's just, that's just really challenging. I think you know, it, it will get better with each generation, but that's just where we are right now. Yeah, um, I love when you were talking about a squeeze because that's such a good word for what I was trying to explain how I felt in like my early childhood thinking about like what I, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, I don't know, I'm like 10, but <laughs> you're like, you have like your doctor and your nurse, which is like your man and your woman, you know what I mean? And other jobs like that, that you're seeing your like little kid storybooks. And I think that's just such a big indicator of like what you're showing children. But like now in my life, like obviously I didn't realize that when I was like 10 or whatever, but thinking about like gender roles now, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but me and my boyfriend have been dating for like almost a year now. And it's funny because like I love weightlifting and like working out and I'm like super like loud and he's like quiet. He's going to like play the piano. And it's like, it's just so funny watching how different this, my life has been in this relationship. If you had asked me when I was like 15 or 16, you're like, oh, my man's going to be big and strong. Like, it's just like, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. And I think it's funny because it's almost like the exact opposite and so as you were saying like expectations about like the way that like men and women should act like it can be very limiting because if I had kept that mentality I wouldn't be in the relationship that I'm in today that I love so it's kind of interesting to think about the way that you have to unpack that for yourself to really like open up those doors Yeah, I definitely have a similar experience, Jada, for those of you who know my husband. He is very quiet, and I am the outspoken one and the one who wants to get up in front of everyone and do all the things, but he's the one that was expected to his entire life and was given the opportunities to his entire life. Um, And that's an interesting, we've talked about this a few times, like the dissonance between 
well, that's what I'm called to and he's not. So why does he get all these opportunities and I don't? And that's, that's kind of a, there's a tension there. I mean, not between the two of us, but internally, like, why is this something that I'm having to fight for that he's handed and doesn't want? Um, that's hard. And that's really a challenge. I mean, that's specifically, I think, within the church world, but also professionally at times. Um, and that's really hard. And, you know, even within our Catalyst team, like Derek, Brian, and I having similar qualities, but I'm put in a different bucket than they are at times. And um, that's not our full team, but historically speaking, when it was the three of us, that was a challenge that we had, um, is that my roles were seen differently than theirs, even though we felt like we were all on the same team, if that makes sense, doing the same work for the same reason. But I was put in this other one, like, well, you can do the planning and you're good at this. And why don't you handle this? And it's like, but wait, I want that. Like, I think I'd be really good at that. But why do only Derek and Brian get to do that at big church on the stage? Like, that's not fair. <laughs> um, so that is really, it's really hard. Um, it's a heavy burden. I say this every single episode. Um, this is heavy. It is heavy to carry. And women are having to carry it around. Uh, every day and every aspect. Um, and, and we talked about this a ton in the prior episode about professionalism that you should go watch right now. Uh, and because there's so many layers and this is so complicated and it is inc- it's incredibly more, I think, um, I would say it's more illegal at work than we could say it is at church, but it's still happening. And it's really hard to maneuver through it and figure out what to do about it. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote down, Trey, when you were talking, um, and I want people to hear this. So like, let's take a moment, because I want, if you are not like paying attention up until now, I need you to listen right now. Don't confuse a lack of exposure with an inability to do it. Because I think that's where we lose the confidence is because you feel like, because Austin got asked to do communion at age seven in front of the whole church, and no one's ever asked me to do it that I can't. And that's not true. I can do it. I did do it. this. I did do it one Sunday. Um, but I think that's the problem, right? We are not necessarily building people's foundations up the way that other people's foundations are being built. And if there's no one to pull you along, you feel like you're still on the sand, right? And, and, and you don't have this like solid ground to stand on, to feel confident, to be able to say, yeah, I can do that. Because you can. It's just that you haven't been exposed to that. And I want everyone to hear that. Like, it, it's a lack of exposure. It is not an inability. If you feel called to that, you feel like it's something you can do, then you can. <laughs> um, just because you haven't before doesn't mean you can't right now. And I think that is, Trey, to your point, that is what Satan just takes a hold of is, well, no one's ever done it before. What makes you think you can do it? You've never even seen it, you know? And that's a lie. And and unfortunately, I think it's a lie that women are, uh, as we talked about in the prior episode, the coup of Satan, right? The coup of Satan is that he uses this against women specifically. And it just kind of perpetuates Charity, like you were saying, perpetuates into just rotating through this over and over and over again. So, and I'll say, um, yeah. 
Um, back to Sarah's point about just it being lazy. I mean, it is, it's so easy. I, I can understand why, you know, I don't know how far this goes back, but um, I can understand why it's easier as a society to just like give roles to people based on certain, you know, aspects, right? Um, that way we can make sure everything gets done. Everything gets covered. We've got somebody to go hunt. We've got somebody to gather. We've got somebody to take care of the, whatever. It's, it's, I, I, I can get why that was an easy way to do it, right? But um, I don't know if it's the best way because it doesn't allow for the full experience of everybody, for the full skills, for the full talents of everyone to be expressed in that society. And it's it's a detriment to men also. I mean, um, if men are not allowed to, you know, fulfill whatever their, you know, whatever their desires would be outside of their traditional gender roles, that's a detriment to them as well. Um, so I think it's 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 incumbent upon everyone to um, take a look at this. It's 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 we are limiting our boys as much as we're limiting our girls. I think um, in this and in that we are limiting ourselves as a society. We are, you know, tying a hand behind our back, if you will, um, because we're not allowing everyone to fulfill their, fulfill their life to their fullest potential. So I think I, I can understand, you know, gender roles, the importance they have, but if they're rigid and inflexible, and if people are, are um, more than discouraged to go outside of those norms, then that's a problem. So I, I am really fascinated by this conversation because I um, didn't grow up feeling limited by gender roles. And I wonder if that's a function of growing up with a single parent. So my mother raised me and my two brothers. Um, so it wasn't mom does this, dad does this, like mom did everything. And because I was the only girl, you know, I grew up more involved with typical boy stuff, you know, playing football and hiking through the woods and, you know, tennis shoes and sweatpants. And it wasn't until I went to college that it became apparent <laughs> that I needed to soften um, my, my dress, uh, my, my talk, um, just my outward expression in a way that it never really fazed me as I was growing up. And even um, when we got married, and I've been married now for 12 years, um, I kind of like picked and ch chose which <laughs> gender roles were gonna work best for, for me. Like my husband does all the cooking. He's a much better cook um, because he, he gets more practice, but it wasn't something that I ever really had a desire to do. I like to consume the food. I don't want to wait for the food to cook. <laughs> so, um, but like yard work, that's all you, babe. You Yard work, bugs, please come get the bugs. But it's, there was not an expectation early on in our marriage. Um, I will say to Charity's point, um, I think a lot of, you know, women's role in the professional scene has to do with childcare because both 
of my employers had company sponsored childcare, you know, a daycare that they had a relationship with where, you know, if you worked here, you could send your kids here usually for a discounted price. And that just made that aspect of my life something I didn't have to think of. Whereas now in quarantine, um, it has certainly affected my ability to work more so than my husband's. And so we have had to have conversations about that and how, how are we gonna make this work? Because it has just naturally fallen more on me because of the nature of his job versus the nature of mine. Mine is more documents that I can generate whereas his is more phone calls all day, every day. So I don't know, I, I wonder how um, I would have been affected with gender roles if I had grown up in a home with both of my parents and if, if seeing their interaction would have made me feel limited um, in one way or another. A lot of it I think has to do with just my personality. I've never really been one to follow rules that got me into some trouble as I was growing up. Um, it is, I, I find that like, it's driving me crazy with my daughters, but I try to just like allow that a little bit because I know how that translates into womanhood um, as they develop, you know? But I, I have never felt um, the squeeze. I really haven't. It's just like, if that's what I wanna do, I'm gonna do it. And I don't really care if you don't like it. And it wasn't until I became a parent and had to balance work and parenthood that gender roles, um, I think, affected me a little bit differently. That's interesting, because I hadn't thought about that part of it, Sarah. I also grew up in a single parent home. And so my mom, you know, we did everything. So if you, you know, if you needed to move some furniture, you needed to figure out how to move it. So she was like, no one's going to move it for you. So we had like all our techniques for fixing things, for moving things. And so, but I think the, the, the difference is I was definitely a rule follower. So I could leave that space. And then if someone said, okay, so now in this space, this is what you are then it was like, okay, I'll, I'll fit into that. I still feel like my personality played a lot in, into it in that I was introverted. And so I, it was easy for me to hide. I've always wondered what it would have been like if I hadn't been, if that wasn't my personality, if I would have been so quick to follow those rules. Cause I followed them because they benefited me. I didn't want to do it anyway. So it was like, okay, you don't want me to do that. Then I'll, I'll go do this behind the scenes thing. And so you may feel like you're limiting, limiting me, but I don't feel limited because I, I don't really want to do that. Um, so, and then also to Shauna, you, you mentioned um, specifically like the church and the roles that you wanted to, to lean into versus um, the roles that were just sort of laid out for the men. And that really prompted me to think exactly what Charity brought up in that that's like so harmful to men because every man that that's given to doesn't want it. And so I grew up in, in Church of Christ where, you know, 
at a certain age, boys are just expected to preach. Like you're going to get your practice time in. And I remember like being like glad I was not because I did not want to get up front like that. And because I had friends who I knew that was not what they wanted to do. Like they would be seriously stressing out. Um, and of course I had female friends who would have loved to have been able to get up and, and do that. And so, um, so yeah, just like it does a disservice to everybody all around because you're holding back those who have that gift and pushing those forward who don't and just traumatizing people who like can't wait for their opportunity to get away from there. And so, you know, oh, in both ways, because like how many women wanted to speak and knew they couldn't do it in those in, in that setting. And so once they turned 18 and didn't have mom and dad making them go to church, went somewhere where they could use that gift. And how many men, you know, boys that you have that suffer through it until they can get away from it because that's not what they go somewhere where they can have some peace and do whatever it is that God's calling them to do. So it just really doesn't help on either end. And you know, you know, gender is a social construct and it's, you know, that's all it is because there are plenty of strong matriarchal societies, right? And the women do it, right? And they get it done. And wow, what is it about those women's uh, biological makeup that allow them to do it? Nothing, right? It's just the social construct. And there are, you know, societies and cultures where there's more than two genders. You can, there are three gender options. There are four or five gender options. We have just decided that, you know, these are the binary, binary choices, you're male or female, and this is what you got to choose from. Um, and it's just, it is, it is just made up based on, you know, what, I think honestly, like we needed somebody to be in control, right? Somebody needed to have the power so that we could, everybody else could fall in line and we could have some order in society, but we've taken that way too far. And now it disadvantages really everybody um, in that way. But we, we, we've made up this idea of, you know, masculinity, femininity in, in the way that our society sees it because other cultures don't do it that way. And, you know, it, it, they still function as a society. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because part of what we talked about in the professionalism episode, which you should all go watch, um, was kind of that this is all kind of goes back to the system, right? And Sarah and Trey, to your point, like I also was in a single parent household and, um, I felt very empowered and I still do kind of within my home. But at the end of the day, like Charity said, I'm still stepping out into this society built around and that's where I'm supposed to stay. Um, and that's where my tension comes in a lot is, sorry, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but going out into a society that's saying, this is the box, like Trey's talking about the box. Um, and we were even talking about last episode, you know, that, you know, women get maternity leave, but men don't get maternity leave. And the fight for custody is just like default to the mom, regardless, as if men can't handle children and kind of like giving them an out of like, well, you can't, obviously you can't be a parent by yourself. <laughs> Hello, which, but why? Like, why are we saying that men can't, I mean, I'm not saying all men can be 
great single parents. I don't think all women could be great single parents either. So like, why is it just this default? And, you know, I'm kind of speaking out of turn a little bit, because obviously I'm not a lawyer or anything in that space, but it's my understanding of the default is to the mom and, and where did that come from and why? And, and it's just this idea again, that it's impacting the men too. Like we're setting men up to be incapable of doing these roles. Cause we're saying that's only for a woman and that's harmful and why <laughs> and for what? So it, it, that was an interesting uh, kind of sidebar there of this, how I feel at home and where I feel what's placed on me kind of externally in other spaces, um, especially I think at church, but at work and then, you know, the kind of the, the system that's set up around us is, yeah, just like this fall in line mentality of you go here and you go here and there's no in between, like Charity's saying, there's no, there's no give or take, it's just black and white and this is very easy. And I think people are far too complicated for a system like that. One example that of that that I think about is like, um, you know, if whatever the kids go out and like they got food on their face, hair is like all over crazy. They look <laughs> like you know nobody's gonna be like mm, that dad. Whew. You know nobody's gonna be like he better get on it. No, no matter what kind of you know gender role flipping we do in the house, as soon as we step out, we've got the judgment and the expectations of our societal gender roles, just, you know, slapping us in the face. And that's kind of the tension that I'm, you know, I was speaking to, like you were saying, Shauna, it's just, you know, we're, 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 we're still in that kind of, you know, gray space. We will, we want it to be a gray space, but it's still so black and white. Um, you know, that it's, we're, we're getting there, but it's still, still not quite there. Now then like your mama didn't wash your face. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. So that, this is interesting. Cause that, that made me think of something and I, I've, I have to be honest with, with myself and with, with you all. So, um, when I was, uh, interviewing for my current job, I was very pregnant and I, told the person with whom I was interviewing that this was my fourth child. And I wanted to make sure he knew that because, you know, just so there are no secrets between us. But also I felt the need to explain that my family would not interfere with my job. And I had career goals that I wanted to accomplish and that I was um, determined to make a reality, but it was almost like I needed to um, provide comfort to him that I could handle both. And so that makes me think that as much as I wanna say, oh, gender roles don't matter to me, I grew up and didn't have those expectations put on me, so I just broke all the rules. Not, Not quite, I learned how to um, massage the rules, right? But I still know that the rules are there. And so it still affected me because I can guarantee, well, I mean, no man would be nine months pregnant and showing, but I don't think that a man would walk into any interview and explain what his family life looked like. 
he would just be talking about, you know, his background and his skill set and his ability to do the job. But my one of the things I wanted to make sure I communicated was this is what I have going on in my personal life. These are my goals for society. The two are not mutually exclusive, but just so you know, you know, I have these two different, but also competing forces in my life. So I think that that does go to, um, to show that even though I'm, I'm trying to get out of the box, I still am maneuvering around the box as best I can. That's so funny it's that you funny. Uh, oh, sorry. Can I, I was just thinking about when you said men going to interviews and talking about their like family life, that would probably in my mind almost be seen as like a positive, like, oh, he cares about his family so much. Like, but then if like my mom's going to an interview, like, oh, my kids, my kids, they're probably like, yeah, she cares about her family too much. <laughs> like, so it's just so funny that you brought that up because that made me think of that. So uh, I was thinking that it was interesting that he is not, the interviewer is not allowed to ask you that question, Sarah, in an interview, but you felt compelled to give him that information, to share that information. So it just kind of goes to show that even though, you know, you know, there are these legal protections in place, we as women are still trying to figure out and maneuver our way, massage, right, the roles um, to make sure that, you know, we, that, you know, that our employer, potential employer knows, you know, our capabilities and our priorities and that kind of thing, which wouldn't, which wouldn't cross a man's mind, right? Even though we can't be asked that question, we still feel compelled to give that information. I'm sure we all have these types of stories. So feel free to share as you feel willing. Um, but I had, a, we had like these mentor assignments at work and I got assigned um, a, a gentleman, not in my group. He was not my manager. We had no, he had no impact on my career outside that he was supposed to be just a mentor, help coach me into mentor type things. And I can remember like maybe our second time meeting, um, he was telling me how his wife stays home and so many words told me that, you know, that's an option I should consider if I ever have kids. And I was like, wait one moment. And I really didn't know how to process it. It was just, uh, uh, okay. Just like, you know, and kind of followed up with like, that's the woman's place at home. And it was just like, he was very similar in age to me. And it wasn't just some like old, older person who you would expect to have kind of these traditional values. And it was just totally, and I found out later he was pretty avidly involved in a church. Um, <laughs> so that kind of, you know, put two and two together there, but um, just kind of an extension of prior conversations we had of how the church impacts society and, you know, perpetuates these problems, which we'll get into in a minute. But it just was, alarming to me like you are supposed to be my mentor why would you sign up to be a mentor if you don't think I should be here and if this space is not for me why do you want to mentor me where are you trying to mentor me to if you are like checking my baby clock and like you're about to go so where what is this relationship and I kind of stopped following up with him he didn't really like it that much well I would like avoid him in the hallways and he would see me and be like hey are we gonna like get together and I'm like oh yeah I'm just so busy and in reality, I was just like, I don't, I have nothing to say to you anymore. And 
I probably should have acknowledged it and like confronted it a little bit more, but it just at that point was like, for what? Like, I don't work with him. I can avoid him as much as I possibly can. And, you know, eventually switch jobs after that. So, you know, I knew I was kind of like on the verge of leaving anyway, but I just was so alarmed that you, he signed up to be a mentor and then basically told me that my place was not there. And it just was, this is not okay. You should not be allowed to have these expectations of people around you. It's okay if that's what you decide as a family. Like you guys are all in on this. That's what you decided. It works for you. Totally cool. No judgment here, but you can't project that onto somebody else and expect them to fall in line with how you feel. That's, that's not okay. And I mean, just think about how, how it would feel to have those roles reversed. Like if every time um, a, a family decides to grow, like the expectation was for the men to stop working. You know what I mean? Like regardless of what your career goals were, regardless of what you had accomplished so far, like, oh, well, that that train is is done now. You need to come on into the home and get ready to burp and change diapers and feed bottles. That's ridiculous. But yet and still, that's the expectation of women. The, the reception that I got at my current job when I told my, my manager I was pregnant, she literally screamed. She grabbed her co-manager and she said, we're having a baby. And her excitement just like, I was so relieved that I wouldn't be stifled and um, limited just by growing my family. But I, I, it would be humorous to me to see society for just like a day if men had that same response to making an announcement about their, their families growing, because the way, um, the way it plays out with women in the workforce is just, it's beyond me. But this was discussed uh, a lot more in depth in the last episode on professionalism. So if you have not seen it, make sure you go and check it out. I have a similar story, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, I, I probably waited like way too long to say anything to anybody at the office. And I was clearly pregnant, <laughs> but I didn't, like, I just knew the moment I said it, like everything was gonna change. So I did not say anything. And they were like, uh, <laughs> like you're obviously pregnant, uh, but nobody wanted to say anything. Um, but when I did, it was great. But it made me think of um, another uh, negative, impact of these rigid gender roles and that is that it just can be very divisive um, if you choose to uh, go a different path than what the you know norm for your gender is you catch it from um, those of your gender those of the other opposite gender um, you catch it from everyone and it's it it is it it, it sets up people to just um, uh, it sets up a lot of judgment, sets up a lot of really hard feelings, and it, it um, I think it pits us against each other in a way that just does not even have to be. It really doesn't, you know. Yeah, going off of Charity's point, I wanted to say, like, the opposite side of this coin with gender roles, I feel like if you're, like, a woman who doesn't want to have kids or, like, chooses not or can't, you're kind of frowned upon, in a like, by society, like, oh, why, like, you should or this or you like if you can't like you're that's a problem and I just want to say like gender roles in that instance are very damaging especially like 
it's none of people's business, first of all. <laughs> and just in the sense that like, you're a lot of times women's value is kind of like, I don't want to say like, I guess I will. It's just kind of like tied to like family life, which like, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't have to be. It's not like, that's just like a very important aspect for like women who don't have kids, can't have kids or whatever. Oh yeah, I mean, who was that? Martin Luther, who was basically like, women should be like, I'm paraphrasing, but barefoot and pregnant. And if, you know, they die as a result, like, oh, well, that's what they were here for anyway, right? So, I mean, if you've got somebody like Martin Luther, like out there um, setting up those societal expectations of gender, I mean, it's, it's no wonder why it's lasted this long and it's so hard to break down. crazy part about that is the way our the way society is structured that that follows you for your whole life so it, if a 20 year old 30 year old decides I don't want to have children then the 60 70 year old is still judged because of it so because people will assume when you're at an age where all of your peers those who chose to have children have grandchildren then if you don't have grandchildren, that is frowned upon. You are judged because like, well, what, what were you doing? Like, why didn't you have kids? And who's going to take care of you when you're old? And like, you don't, you don't outlive that, I guess is my point, which is nuts. So you make the decision and you're okay with your decision and you live your whole life with society judging you for it. Like to, to the grave, they're still like, oh, okay, well, you're going to end up in a in a nursing home because who's going to take care of you as if you can't have 10 kids and still end up in a nursing home like that is not that is not how it works but yeah it's crazy i mean i have friends who who go through this through every stage of their lives and it's just it's it's so frustrating that, I, mean, I never thought about it from that perspective i never thought about older women being judged for not having grandchildren or yeah that's that's interesting it's just it's sad i guess that so much of the value in a woman is placed on her reproductive organs and what she chooses to do or not do with them it kind of goes back to episode three on hypersexualization which if you have not checked it out you should but it's like we cannot it's separate women as individuals from their collective body parts. And, you know, it's like we discussed previously about, you know, older men who aren't married and don't have children. They're the bachelor. They're the George Clooney's of the world. But if you're 35 and you don't want to have kids, you have to constantly explain to people and to have that question asked of you I just I don't know how there has to be a really good clap back for that question that we all need to just start saying you know regardless if we have kids or not if we want kids or don't if we can or we can't like just one hard clap back that every woman needs to say anytime somebody asks them about their families and it's none of their business like Jada said it is none of your business
interestingly enough, the next two episodes are actually covering uh, a lot of this, or maybe not next two, but um, two later in the season, we will have an episode around, it's called To Mom or Not To Mom, and just all of the um, judgment that comes with whatever you pick. You could adopt, you can wait to conceive, you can do IVF, you could not have kids, you, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's just all of the judgment, all of the ways, and we'll talk through the implications of that. And then we have another episode about uh, relationships and if you choose to be single or what happens if you get divorced, just like all of it. What if you wait until like whatever you decide, there's just rain down the judgment because it just doesn't go away. And that is damaging. And I think that it's not specific to women. I mean, these are problems across the board. And we say this every episode and it's true. Like this is hurting you too. If you are not a woman, (laughs) Um, this is not just isolated to the impact of uh, what's happening to women, um, men are impacted too. And I think where I want to shift the conversation to is like, why is the church should be talking about this? And I know we talked a little bit about like within the walls of the church, why it's important, but why is the church, why should the church be talking about like societal gender norms or gender roles and, and how we are perceived in society within walls of the church because we talk so much about church and the world being separate and you know so what does this look like why do we need to be talking about this why does why should the church care why should the church engage so I think I feel like the answer to this question because you've asked it in other episodes I feel like the answer is always the same um when we're discussing any kind of of change whether we want to see it take place in society or where, if the church isn't talking about it, um, then we can't expect anyone to follow us. Like if we wanna be leaders, then we gotta get out ahead of something. Um, and so that's kind of the biggest, the biggest thing for me is just us being the example and modeling the behavior and setting the standard versus society trying to change and then judging you know Christians or the church for their slow movement um and also those in the church specifically um our young people who are looking at us and waiting to see what the church is going to do so if we want to create a space that feels safe for them in a space where they can grow then, um, you know, that, that should be like the biggest motivation, motivation of all. So, um, I mean, especially just dealing with the, the group of young people that we have right now, like that, do as I say, not as I do, that is not gonna fly for this generation. It hasn't. I mean, it, it didn't fly for a lot of us, but we sort of snuck off. It's like, you know, as soon as I get a certain age, I'm just going to dip and then maybe I'll come back when I have kids. And, you know, I'm I'm proud of this generation for like not even going there. It's just like we're up front. This is what we expect of you. We are not trying to hide it. You can step up or we're going elsewhere um, or we're going nowhere. 
And so, I mean, I love, you know, I love the church and, you know, I, you know, raise my children in the church. I want to see them raise their children in the church, but I just know that if we don't um, start practicing what we preach, then that we are not going to hold on to this generation and certainly not generation Z, which my youngest is like, we can really forget it with that. Like we, we may hold of millennials a little bit, but um, Generation Z, they are not, they are not going to, to deal with it. And, you know, I know North Atlanta, North Atlanta is, is, is moving in the right direction, um, but I have a front seat view, you know, working in the office and, and being a part of ministry, you know, of just how difficult that is. And it can be, you know, we have our work cut out of, out for us. It can be really disheartening sometimes, but, um, you know, I'm just really praying that we continue to push um, and just, you know, continue to encourage each other to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where our growth is going to take place. And, um, and yeah, we just, we, we need to be, the church has to talk about it. We should always be the first ones to talk about it. We should be setting the standard. We should be um, showing others what it's like to be Christ in the world. We're talking about in the world. We got to be it in the church first because <laughs> they're looking. And um, so, yeah. I can tell you, I mean, Gen Alpha is not buying it either because <laughs> I get questions from my, my, my you know, six-year-old. I was like, wait, when I what, you know, now explain this to me. So yeah, um, they're not buying what's being sold either. But for me, the, the importance of the church being involved in this discussion is kind of pretty simple. I mean, we talk about dinner rolls and the box metaphor, right? And how they are limiting uh, the potential of people in society. And so it's one thing for my gender role or that expectation to limit, you know, my professional options or my family options, but for my gender to limit my spiritual options, my spiritual life, that's a whole other story. And the implications are much, much larger. And I think that is, uh, for me, like the linchpin, that is what uh, the church needs to be thinking about because you are not, when, when you, it's not just about what my role is in the church. It is about my ownership of my own faith, my ability to live out my calling. And that has um, enormous implications for, um, for my life here and in the hereafter. Yeah, this whole conversation has more or less been the way that gender roles have like influenced our lives negatively. And all of us are pretty much regular churchgoers. So I think that if we're not talking about gender roles in the church, where are we gonna talk about them? Like this is supposed to be the place that like, we're coming together community with God and like really like getting to the core of like what life is supposed to be like. and if we're not talking about like all the hurt that's happening there, then like, it's not gonna get better. So like the church needs to talk about this because there is harm being done, whether like on accident, 
this is important for the church to talk about because when there's harm being done, whether on purpose or just by the way that the church is situated in society, it's not going to get remedied if we're not talking about it. So, And I think like on the path to inclusion, owning your impact is part of that. And it is irrelevant what your intention is. And so I think Jada, to your point, like owning the impact of what has been historically happening is an incredibly important part of the reconciliation process that needs to happen, whether it be racially or for genders. Um, like that reconciliation isn't complete without or like a, a recognition of the impact. Totally agree. It's like um, healing a wound that you haven't, you know, the knife is still in the back. First, you got to take the knife out, then you can apply the medication, then the wound can heal. So um, certainly a, a conversation that I hope um, we continue to engage in in the church with, with the aim of making differences. I mean, talk is great. Action is better. So um, what about final thoughts? Uh, is there anything that you've been thinking and wanted to say, but haven't said yet, or something just popped into your mind? Is there any parting words of wisdom you ladies want to share? with our listening audience? I think just specifically um, kind of putting it out there for our younger generations um, and you know what it's like to try to function in, in the church right now. So just um, kind of still along the lines of why should the church be, be addressing this? I guess what I wanna speak to is why should um, the younger generations even give the church a chance. Um, and that's just, um, you know, the more we kind of try to progress, like the more you start digging, the more you see things that you uncover things that you did, you couldn't even see before. It's like you got to start growing before you can even kind of have clarity on it. And it can be really disheartening again, because you you feel like you're just, it's like quicksand. <laughs> like the more you try to, it's like sludge, the more you try to move, the slower it seems to be. You uncover this and you uncover that. And it's like you're fighting a losing battle. And so, but, you know, it's just kind of the necessary steps to growth and, um and so I just, you know, I'm just prayerful that um, we can all kind of work in this together because it does take everyone, the, the young and the old, the you know, men, women, everyone, if we're gonna see any real change, it's gonna have to be something that everybody does. So um, I went uh, to Tuba City last year, eighth grade mission trip. 
um, to the city. And one part of the trip, it's a whole team building exercise. Like the whole week is, is phenomenal for, um, for the students before they go into high school ministry. But one of the um, big aspects of that trip is this hiking. Um, you hike in the Grand Canyon. So you go into it, it's, um, you go into it at like seven in the morning. It's like a five hour hike. But the biggest thing about it is that you can't, you cannot get out of that canyon without everybody working together. Like you can, you can kind of get into it. You can slide down some hills and you can do some things or some rocks. But when it's time to come up out of it, you have to have other people pull you up. And so just watching the whole dynamic of it, you know, you, you, people are reminding each other to drink water. You're encouraging each other when you, you know, are, you, you know, need encouragement yourself, but it's just a lot of really working together in order to get out of that canyon and get out of it pretty quickly. Cause you're trying to get out of there before that sun hits high peak and you get cooked um, in the canyon. So it's just, um, but that's what this really reminds me of in that, if we, if we all kind of do our part and like have that goal and know where we're headed and we all pull in together, then we can kind of make it through what really seems like this huge thing that we're never going to get around. Um, and this just like feels that way for, for gender, for race relations, for like all of the, the things that, that we're kind of coming into right now. It's like society, like we're in the church in particular, like we're have this reckoning and we are at this point and if we don't all work together it feels like we're not going to get to the other side of it so just encouraging you know some just encouraging our catalysts our young adults to you know get some perspective talk to your parents talk to if not your parents someone your parents age talk to your grandparents get their perspective not necessarily to change their thoughts, but to see why they think the way they do, to see what their life was like, to get an understanding for why they are the way they are, why they make the decisions that they make. Um, I just feel like what we're in is like the biggest team building exercise ever. And, um, and we can all grow if we do all kind of just do our part, so. And I think the grace to help people along. Um, I know I have been extended a ton of grace and that has been greatly appreciated um, because I'm not there and there's a lot of people helping me get there. And yeah, to your point, Trey, we've got to do this together and try not to be hard on, <laughs> try to extend grace as much as you need grace, I guess. Um, uh, I think if we as a church can um, kind of look at gender roles and just take a chisel, I think we could probably take an axe to anything that is not in the scriptures, anything that's not, you know, called for by Jesus. If we can just work to rid ourselves of that, I think we will be closer to um one, what, uh, what God has called us to be and um, that there is no male or female, right, in, in um, heaven. 
And two, we can have that on earth, right? We can be closer to um, being one and we can get rid of the um, male, female, dichotomy of, you know, you, this is this is what it means to be this and this is what it means to be that. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, obviously gender is, is a social construct, a cultural construct and societies evolve and change and are fluid. So why would also gender not be fluid? Um, we know that it is in different societies, it's applied in different ways. So um, for us to force people into certain boxes, male, female, whatever, um, I think is, is doing another disservice to all of us. I think, like I said, in other cultures, there are, there are more than one gender and, and it's normal. Um, I think that as we chisel away at those things that are not in the scriptures that define, you know, who we are as men and women, um, we will get closer to seeing that um, that there's space for for um, for people who are who are you know not identifying as male or female specifically, but um, people who are just open to being who God has made them to be. And why would we not love that and accept that and encourage that in each other? Well said. And I, I really, really like the idea of life as a team building exercise. That, that really stuck with me, Trey. Now, the idea of being in a canyon, trying to climb out before the sun reaches overhead I'm not looking forward to that eighth grade mission trip, but conceptually, the idea of working together to get from one place to another um, is a, a great way to, to think about life. And, you know, when you are with a group trying to, to make it out of the canyon, you're not looking at the next person that you want to help out and saying to yourself, well, is this person male or, or, or female or, or gay or straight or black or white? It's just they're on the team and we're trying to get the whole team out of the canyon together. And to, to Charity's point, you know, we all are who God made us. And the more that we can just accept that for, for what it is and allow people to grow in their, their spirituality and reach the full potential that, that God has put into them, I think the more we're going to see society flourish because everybody is contributing in their own way. And I think that that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Yeah, I think we have to let go of that fear that if, if someone doesn't conform the way we expect them to conform, that society is just going to collapse. I think we need to restructure society to allow for everyone to be who they were meant to be instead of making everyone conform to this rigid structure of society's gender norms or whatever. Well, uh, I just want to 
thank you all again for the, the insight and um, the wisdom and the thought-provoking ideas that we shared on this uh, episode today. I, I've left here with, um, I guess, a, a better understanding of the way that I have played into the, the gender roles in my own life, even though I thought I didn't. <laughs> But there they are. Like I can, I can see them now, and and better understand ways to not put those same sort of uh, limitations and expectations on my own children, and to teach them how not to put those limitations and expectations of those around them. And um, to your point, Trey, and yours, Charity, you know, we have to if our church is going to continue to to grow and flourish we have to figure out how to, to maintain um, the, the engagement and the dedication of the people who are coming behind us. A church is going to grow in its membership or it's not. And I know that one of the things that is important to me as a parent is to pass down um, my understanding of God and the love that God has for us to the next generation. So this conversation, I think, is timely and very important. And I, I really appreciate you, Trey, and you, Charity, and you, Jada, for helping all of us think about this differently and be prepared to have conversations about this going forward. So um, next Wednesday at nine o'clock, we are going to have a Zoom call. Our viewers are welcome to participate. That information will be put up on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else we put this information <laughs> so that you can call in and join us in this conversation. Thank you all for watching. We've loved having you with us. Tune in for the next episode of Serial Talk and have a great night.